Not that grimace shakes have been a theme, <laughs> but have you heard about this trend on TikTok? About the where grimace? Oh. Kids drink the grimace shake and then they stage a horrific death. Mm-hmm. What I like about it, because most TikTok trends are annoying, is that it shows like filmmaking ingenuity. Like some are terrible and some like, it's fitting that Gen Z's like, oh, I know a way to make a really creepy, horrible death. I mean, it's all ripped off from like Blair Witch Project and like jump cuts and horror movies. But I like that it's a morbid trend that McDonald's was like, we love this. <laughs> they Yeah, and it's been interesting because people were like, oh, actually Gen Z is funny. This is great. Good for them. It's been this ringing uh, endorsement of Gen Z that they do these gross Grimace Shake videos. Gen Z is super funny. Like some of these videos, you're like, oh, you really understand timing. Um, I'm always impressed. Not even just Gen Z, but like people on the internet when they make really funny, well-timed videos or like a unique concept. I mean, there's funny people out there. What I love about the internet and comedy is that it's fully democratized. It's not just like, well, if one person on, if Lauren Michaels likes you on SNL, then you get to be a star. Otherwise, good luck. Like there's no kingmakers anymore. Right. I think that's cool. It truly is. People get so upset. They're like, oh, no one, you know, I'm not doing well in comedy because of A, B, and C. It's like, but all of these people are. Everybody finds their niche. So get out there. Go find your weird Japanimation hot dog number one. Thank you. Thank you. Whatever, (laughs) whatever that thing is. Like, go find your... Vein of humor and find the people that will support it. And no one can't say nothing because you're making that cash. <laughs> so that's a reference to the last episode where you talked about the... Yeah, no, I got it. I got it. <laughs> All right. Well, just in case people, that you got to go back and listen to the last episode. Folks, I want to do a robust episode today. I want to do an action, jam-packed. Maybe there's some updates. That's in the fate of Emily. That's in her clammy hands. But we're going to give you that red hot advice that I think is is useful in your life. We can start with with a big update, but what we're going to need to do is recap what happened originally, because this is a complicated family story, but let's see. Hi, AIA crew, reaching out with a doozy. Now, this question we have not answered yet, but it already, but it has an update, so we're going to get into the whole enchilada. I am a 28-year-old female from Melbourne, Australia. Two master's degrees. Good job. Good job pronouncing it. It only took you a year. <laughs> Too many of them are from there. Two master's degrees, neither of which are nursing, who was adopted at birth by two amazing humans that I am beyond lucky to call my parents. It was an open adoption, and I have known slash had contact with my birth mother and siblings, three sisters, I'm the middle child, my whole life. My older sister and I decided to maintain a friendship as we got older and we're now super close friends. My birth mother and I, not so much. My adoptive parents never adopted any other children, so I was raised as an only child and have never met my biological father. His choice, he opted out of knowing me or having any contact, and I'm fine with this as my actual dad is amazing. My older sister, however, does have a very close relationship with him. On to the issue. I decided to do an ancestry DNA test late last year because I was curious as to my biological ancestry as I'm not close to my biological mother and my older sister and I've always suspected we may have some other family members overseas. I consented for my results to be made public on the website and lo and behold, we do have other family we didn't know about, just not overseas. We discovered an aunt we didn't know anything about living in Central Australia, 48 female, and a cousin living just two suburbs away from me in Melbourne, 27 female. By our calculations and after reaching out to both women to connect the dots, we have discovered both our paternal grandfather and uncle both had affairs that resulted in the birth of these two women. The family has no idea. Both women confirmed their mothers never told the biological fathers they were pregnant, and the aunt's mom even went so far as to tell her the bio dad had died to stop her looking for him. She did it anyway, and that's how we were connected on Ancestry.com. Grandfather and uncle are both still alive, so here's our question. Do we tell the family that we have discovered what we have discovered? Our grandfather is very old, has Alzheimer's, and we're not sure if he would like the chance to meet his other child while he's still around, especially considering we have confirmation he does not know this woman exists, but our uncle is still married with other children and the timeline confirms he had an affair. My sister and I don't want to blow the family, but given I have no contact with my biofather side at all and never met any of them, I care less about this. I can hear Eliza telling me this is not my secret to tell, but I'm curious to hear your take. Now, we had a follow-up. 
on part of this, okay? It turns out the younger cousin we found, who also lives here in Melbourne, the one that lives two suburbs away or whatever, isn't actually our cousin. She's either our half-sister or our aunt. We did a proper DNA sequencing and found the percentage of the match is too high to be a cousin and has to be either a half-sister or an aunt. This means either our ailing grandfather had another affair, which produced another unknown child, which means he would have been 57 when the affair happened, or our bio-father had another child shortly after I was born. Either way, neither of them know their child exists. My bio dad has also decided to reach out to me for the first time after my older sister gave him my number, and now I'm not sure what to do or if I should tell him the whole story. Should I just show up like, surprise, you get two new daughters for the price of one? Help me. It's a little confusing, but I think, I have to be honest, I think what's made you do all of this digging was the fact that you were lacking closure from your biological dad. Because you are talking about cousins and half siblings and it's relatives that if you were, if if your parents were your biological parents, you would probably never think about. But what you're looking for is a sense of identity. You want to know where you come from, what you're made of, what kind of weird genetic secrets are lurking. I think it's great that your dad wants to reach out. I think that that's important for you. I think you feel that out. Because the guy could be awful. The guy could want to know more. I think it's okay to tell him what you know. The rest of it's a little convoluted, but but just take it one step at a time. Just focus on you and your relationship with him. And you can give him that info. You know, you don't have to keep that a secret, but that's what you really want. You're doing a lot of this extemporaneous digging, but what you're craving is a connection to something immediate. And hopefully he can tell you a little bit more, but that's my answer. I think it's so interesting whenever people do these tests and find these weird things, because I'm sure we just hear the stories of people finding weird things. We don't hear stories of someone saying, I got my ancestry test. It was exactly what I thought it would be. I, that it, was mine. Mine was. Right. <laughs> what was exactly yours? 99%. 99.99-Ashkenazi <laughs> Jewish, like fully Polish. Right. I knew, I found out a couple of things, but it wasn't like, oh man, Irish royalty like I always wanted, Scandinavian princess. I just feel like there's no winning. You do the test and it either is about what you thought or it has a horrible secret. Yeah, the horrible secret is your grandfather, your dad was a philanderer, probably some form of, you know, criminal. Uh, You're most likely part British or Welsh or Irish. And and that's that. That's that. But but the dad thing is what, that's the puzzle piece you were looking for. Yeah, yeah. You're looking for all these extra people because you're like, oh, yeah. I want to connect to people. He yeah. doesn't want to talk to me. Great. Check it. Oh. Hi, AIA team. A longtime listener. Second time question asker. I have an extremely weird situation that I would love your take on. My partner and I have been together for a year and lived together for eight months. He's my soulmate and the person for me, which I've realized after being through my share of bad relationships. However, I'm a big believer of being friends with your exes as long as it's clean. My ex is my one true best friend because we are greatest friends and just built that comfort in each other after breaking up six years ago, through college to young adults to now as master's graduates in our late 20s. There's no residual feelings about each other in that way. And I know I'm overstating it and I'm aware of what boy best friend who is also an ex entails, but this is strictly two people who just stuck around because we understand each other as friends. I'm very happy in my relationship with my boyfriend. And although I love my ex as a person, he was a very shitty partner to me when we were dating. Took a lot to get over all that, but I came through and now we're both thriving in Australia. The weird situation. He just moved from his city to mine for a job and has been living with me and my BF until he finds a place. He's been here five days and it's been chill. We all work eight to five. Him and my BF get along very well too. And it's been nice to be in the same space as him after so many years. Last night... I had an elaborate dream, I usually have elaborate dreams, that my ex asked me to get back together with him, and I said, okay. I remember telling him that I really love my boyfriend and feeling uneasy in my dream, but WTF, I saw my boyfriend in my dream after, I remember feeling so shit about myself. I was also reminding myself of all the shit things my ex was and all the wonderful things my boyfriend is in the dream. I feel really guilty about this, and I know they're just dreams, but is there some unresolved emotion behind this that I am unaware of? I've never thought about my ex in a romantic way after the breakup phase and dated multiple people before my current partner, but this has me disgusted at myself. 
He's moving out this weekend because he found a house. But obviously, this has shocked me, and I want to know if it means something. Thanks for the no. last. I've been a big fan since Freezing Hot. By the way, okay, first of all, only girls, I know you're a girl, only girls are like, I had a thought. Does it mean everything? No man <laughs> in the history of ever is like, I had a dream. I guess I should follow that dream. Except for Martin Luther King, which is totally different. So please ignore the voice I did. Okay? It means nothing. Your dreams are residual mental runoff manifestations of anxieties. Here's the truth. You are, for the first time in a very long time, sharing a space with that ex. So it's going to creep into your psyche. Uh, I also wonder, have you had sex with your boyfriend recently? I bet you haven't. And I feel like sometimes I get very weird dreams. I'm just as a TMI when I don't have, if I haven't had sex with Noah for a while, if I hadn't seen him for a while. And usually having sex like reconnects you, that physical connection. So one, I bet you haven't had sex in a while because there's been someone else in the house. Maybe you have, everyone could, could be different. Um, that's it. I don't think you would give it this much thought if it was like a random teacher that you had like a weird makeout sex dream about. This is just your brain processing it, this person that's in your space. Um, don't ever, ever, ever feel bad or guilty about your dreams. That's only a girl thing. The girl thing to be like, I'm mad at you because in my dream, you cheated on me. He's moving out. Uh, and this is a great way to get some space. And, you know, you had your cake and you ate it too. And that was great. Um, but don't worry about it. Don't tell your... Don't tell your boyfriend about it. There's no reason to do that. It's just your brain processing someone else in proximity to you. That's it. I've had very bizarre dreams about people I am not sexually attracted to and or never think about. It's funny you say that because I was just like, should I text that random friend that I had like a weird sex dream about who I never think about? No. Your brain no. has a weird way of processing things. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything tangible. Yeah. All it means is that your brain is a magnificent computer doing 8 trillion things at once. Sometimes things upload a little slow and process a little slower. That's it. Move on. Don't worry about it. Not going to be the last guy you have a weird sex dream about. <laughs> or girl. You didn't really say the genders, but okay. Hey, Pod Squad. Sorry, I know that name is awful. I'm about to turn 38 and trying to decide if I should stay in the job that I'm underpaid and underqualified for, but that I absolutely love, or go for a job that I went to school and have a passion for, but have never really done. I've kind of changed my life's direction every 15 years or so. I joined the military in 2004 at the age of 19 and got out with medical retirement in 2015 at the age of 30. Wow, that's a wow. long time. Yeah. After that, I moved from Denver back to California where I grew up and worked for the government for a few years doing basically the same thing I did in the military. I decided that I hated that job and didn't want the money I was making to control my decisions. So when my contract ran out and the company didn't get picked up for another run, I went back to school for an environmental science degree at CSU Channel Islands. Wow. I have a passion for preservation and conservation, but because I was in the military during my formative years, I had to take some freshman classes, even though I was considered a junior with the amount of general ed I had. I went to school basically nonstop for three full years to get my bachelor's degree. And then two months later, I moved to Texas with my boyfriend, where he's from and where his family is. Obviously, there aren't as many environmental jobs in Texas as there are in Cali, but I needed a job. So now I'm working in a hospital where I feel a sense of family and a place where I know I make a difference. I love it here despite the low pay, less than Cali minimum wage, but more than Texas minimum wage. Now here's the problem. I have several opportunities to go work in the field I studied, but I'm afraid I'll hate it. Underlying question, should I take a job if when it's offered that I studied for and got my degree in, but I might hate or do I stay in a job that I never expected to love as much as I do, even though the pay is crap? Help, Suzanne, P.S. I've been watching your career since last comic standing, seen you several times live in Vegas and LA, and was able to hold Blanche while you did a set Aww. at the Chinese restaurant in Ventura several years ago. At the I Hong Kong Inn. Oh my God. <laughs> I got tickets to see you in Houston September for my birthday, and I can't wait. Anybody that lives in Houston, the Bayou Music Center, come on out. That's going to be a hot fire show. Suzanne, look, um, I don't know why it has to be between those two things. 
you've worked so hard to have your education and you have all of these skills. I think you really need to sit down and think about what is a priority to you. Some people don't care about money, but the fact that you're bringing it up means you're uncomfortable. Um, And if you work in a hospital, I don't know what you do there, but those are long hours and it's usually a pretty thankless job. What do you want to do? Like deep down, forget school. Almost nobody does what they went to school for. Now, granted, you have all these amazing degrees and the environment always needs help. What do you want? Where do you see yourself in five years? If, If you could wave a magic wand... I mean, obviously nobody would work, but like if you could wave a magic wand, what would you be doing? And then kind of go in that direction. Is there another hospital you could work for and get paid more? It shouldn't have to be, I love the job, but they're underpaying me. And also something tells me they know they're underpaying you, but you like it and you'll tolerate it. Uh, Versus a job that I... First of all, the the first one shouldn't be an option. Just because you studied it and you know you're going to hate it, then, then that's off the table. But doesn't know, but worried that she's going to hate it. So, Well, are you going to hate it? Because when you were in your early 30s, you hated it. Why are you going to hate it? Is that a self-fulfilling prophecy? Will you actually, are there uh, variables that you can change so that you don't hate it? You know, there's a lot of variables here, but you need to sit down, get right with Jesus, list out what it is that you want and what you are willing to put up with what you are willing to put. That's what I think because I can't really give you any concrete advice because we don't really know the jobs or what kind of your financial situation is. Well, if if I'm understanding correctly, the current job loves the people, loves the environment, loves everything but the pay. The other job just happens to be in the field. So it's like, unless the other job also looks awesome and interesting to you, don't do it just because it's in the field. But can you ask your current job for a raise? That's what I'm saying. Like, and and also what amount could they give you that would make you happy? Because it doesn't sound like you're really motivated by money and that's great. But right. you want to be comfortable. Nobody wants to feel bad at the end of the day. So those are that's my answer without getting too specific because I don't have the specifics. It has to be about what do you want? You know, you served your country. You got your degrees. You tried to help the environment. How do you want to spend? And by the way, at 38, it's never too late to change anything. Don't listen to people. Okay, it's too late to be a teen model. That's about it. <laughs> and maybe a gymnast. But it depends on the country you're playing for. I also wonder if because of all the schooling that you have in the current role you're in, like if you got more training in that job that you didn't think you would do, more certifications, would that up your pay? You know, are there options yeah. there to ex- to excel in that field? But never feel trapped. You have options. You have that degree. You have an education. You can always go do a different job you didn't know you had a passion for. So sit down and really think about it. Like, where do I want to be in five years? What do I want? What do I want to do? That's my answer. Hi, AI crew. This podcast has truly been a bright spot in my week for the past few years. Eliza has really helped make me more open-minded and challenged my view on a lot of things. So I'm grateful for the pod for making me a better human. Bridesmaid slash friend question. I'm getting married next year and I'm having a bachelorette weekend soon. One of my close friends from college, we're about eight years out, is not a bridesmaid, but was invited to come to the bachelorette weekend. My maid of honor has created the itinerary and planned some outings that I'll admit seem a bit expensive for a bunch of youngish professionals. My maid of honor is 40. The rest of us are late 20s. I expressed to my friend my concerns, but said I ultimately left it up to my maid of honor and asked her to have a round table with everyone about costs because I truly wanted to be mindful about everyone's budgets. Maid of honor said no one made objections and they received the breakdown of expected costs as well. That night, My college friend told me my maid of honor was acting crazy and she thought it was ridiculous that she was asking the girls to spend $100 for brunch and $100 for nightclub bottle service. I told her she didn't have to go and I understood if it was not in her budget, but that everyone else seemed fine so we'd be moving forward. She then said she could afford it, but she wouldn't be spending her money on stupid things. Question is, am I wrong to be upset for her attitude even though I know it seems expensive? Neither of us have ever been to a bachelorette. Or is the fact that she's calling this weekend stupid enough for me to not want to talk to her for a bit? Is she right to be so upset? She did drop out of the weekend. My maid of honor is picking up her portion of the Airbnb and any other deposit she made, which she asked for a refund for. So she was briefed on what everything would cost. She was on that call. She had no contention. No, it sounds like she then goes, oh, that's the cost. This is stupid. I'm not doing this. Okay. She's allowed. That's what that call was for. Right. To the call is not to inform you and then you blindly have to follow. The call was to be like, hey, just like you asked, this is exactly what you planned for. 
you wanted people to be aware that because you were being sensitive, it's insensitive that she called it stupid. And like I always say, weddings bring out the worst in people and you handled it perfectly. You were like, okay, I totally respect that. You know, and she, it's a little weird that the maid of honor had the projected costs and yet that's, this is what was weird for me. The maid of honor had the projected costs, but now she's having to cover this girl's portion. So that means she went and booked it before people were briefed because I don't know. I mean, I guess it's just a bigger piece of the pie, but why are you, they should all be splitting it equally. It's just a little odd that you were like, here's what we want to do and we're doing it jump in if not. So it's not that she's covering her portion. It's that you're all covering it because you're splitting it with five people, not six. Right. I, Does that it make seems sense? Like I, yes. I, I wonder if the maid of honor said, hey, here's the plan. Here's the breakdown. People didn't reply to the text. And instead of telling the maid of honor, I'm not doing that. She went to the bride and was like, I don't know if I want to spend that money. And maid of honor thought, well, no one replied to the group text. I'm good to go. Maid of honor did the right thing. She's like, here's what it is. People do this all the time where like no one responds and then everyone takes umbrage with it. That was your opportunity to say something. It's shitty to go to you because your maid of honor is the one planning all of this. Like, what are you supposed to be like? You're right, maid of honor. That's out of control. You're such a bad friend. Your friend was wrong in coming to you. She was wrong in saying it was stupid, but she has the right to back out of it. I would, you have too many positive things to focus on. I would forgive this poor choice of words. And maybe settle up with her after, be like, hey, you were missed, bummer, but I totally understand why you didn't go. Give her a chance to, you know, by the way, it is stupid. All wedding things are stupid. They're stupid. Bridesmaids' dresses are stupid. Bedazzled, personalized cups. This is all stupid stuff that we do and everybody's feelings get hurt. So it's rude that she said that, but she's not wrong. And it is a lot of money to do a bottle service. Like, what are we doing? Plus, we're not, if there's an Airbnb, which that price wasn't named, we named $100 per girl for brunch, which what are we getting at brunch? $100 per girl, so $600 brunch or whatever, plus $100 for bottle service. But there's also an Airbnb here we don't know the price of. And if it's a weekend in Airbnb, it's you're lot. having more than one breakfast, more than one dinner. Are they all $100 per is this, meal? Also, yeah. Is this something you could fly to? Could she just join for some of it? This idea that you can't celebrate a bride unless you have money. So maybe say, do you want to just come to the brunch? Do you want to just come for bottle service? Give her that yeah. option because that is overwhelming and it does seem like a lot. And, and, and that's it. But just be a little tolerant because that is overwhelming and it does seem like, okay, so I have to celebrate your love and I have to shell out $500, like I'm good. So don't get, it was wrong. It was rude of her to say that, but don't get mad about it. Weddings do this weird thing. Give her that option. And if she's still like too hurt, be like, great, I'll see you at the wedding and I guarantee you everything will be fine. Or she's not your friend and you'll find that yeah. out right now. That's it. Clean yeah. cut. Shit. <laughs> Greetings and salutations, 43-year-old gay man, truck driver from Georgia here. Peace yes. City, if you know where that is, Emily. No. She does. <laughs> she does. And I've been listening to the pod since day one. Y'all are awesome. Saw you in Atlanta at the Fox. Did you do a lap? Let's get into it. <laughs> did you do a, what? Did you? What does that mean? Like around the theater? I don't, I don't know. I, don't know. <laughs> I yeah, saw you we'll there yes. too. Yeah, you did. That's right. Full theater. I'm the youngest of four kids, two sisters, one brother. My brother and his wife have done many terrible things to my parents. A few examples, stealing, lying, manipulation. I have specific examples, but this email will be way too long and I don't want Emily to get yelled at, LOL. Uh -huh. <laughs> but the final straw for my parents was about 15 years ago when they took my father's social security number and racked up thousands of dollars oh. of debt in his name. Oh, my father cleared it up and didn't have to pay it back, fortunately. My brother and his wife showed no remorse, and that's when they cut ties. My brother reached out a few times, but was shut down. The last time we had contact was nine years ago at my father's funeral, where he was Aww. informed he could only attend the service, but not the wake or the planning beforehand. Three months yeah, ago, you could adult. come to the funeral, but no party. No party for you. No sandwiches. <laughs> right. <laughs> no. They were going to come steal everything in the house. No. Three months ago. Watch your rings. All right. Oh, God. Three months ago, his adult daughter reached out to me. It seems they used her social as well many years Oof. ago and destroyed her credit as well as their other two kids. She wanted to build a case and try to bring legal action and wanted to know if we wanted to get involved. Curiosity got the better of me and we talked and I gave her what info I could. 
Apparently, they are still at it with the identity theft of others. Mom said she wanted nothing to do with the situation, which I respect. This last Mother's Day, Mom gets a text from my brother saying, Happy Mother's Day. Thank you for giving me a great childhood. My mom chose to ignore it, but I didn't want to let it go. I messaged them saying how we can see through this clear manipulation and they haven't changed their ways. There's no need to ever contact any of us. My mother found out through my brother and wasn't happy, saying it's not worth it, blah, blah, blah. One sister agrees with my mom. My other sister thinks I did the right thing. Am I the asshole for telling them to leave us alone? I feel like the only reason they reached out is because we can destroy their fake, perfect, Christian, happy household reputation. They live a town over and we run into people they know all the time. Yes, I'll admit, could be petty, but I feel they need to be called out on their BS. Thoughts, Mike? Um, I think you can do a combo of both, Mike. Like, I think you can kind of stay out of it. You gave the daughter the info she needed. Um, I don't think you want to get involved in like depositions and like a legal thing. And there is the version where maybe they have stopped doing it, but it sounds like they are doing it. You are protecting your mother because what they did to your dad is pretty unforgivable and your mother's older and you don't want them to prey upon her. And it's unfortunate. They could be being sweet, but people like this, total sociopaths, don't tend to turn over a new leaf. So you are right to stay vigilant. And it's tough because your mom, it sounds like the kind of woman who would be like, okay, well, they wrote that. All right. Well, you know what? They can come over and that's how they get you. So you are doing this to protect your mom. If they want to text you, if they want to put on airs, if they want to be nice, you will take those pleasantries all day long. But I think you're right in protecting your mom. They they burned that bridge. They stole their own children's social security numbers. There is nothing they won't do. And as your mom gets older, she is ripe for the picking of scams. Yeah, for sure. So that's basically what I just said, but Emily said it again. So um, I also think I said ripe instead of ripe. You did. um, But I think Matt Ripe is on all of our minds (laughs) because he makes so much money touring. Um, (laughs) So that's it. That's our answer. You're doing the right thing. And you know what? Let them go through the through the performative exercise of saying hi and being sweet. Of course, you know, it kind of reminds me of um, the Grizzlies, the Chrisleys. Chrisley knows best. I was oh. just like, that whole family with your matching tans and your cap teeth. Like, I know something weird is happening. Something's happening. No pastor, preacher, bishop, whatever he is, should be living a life like that. And I'm glad they went to jail. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's once again, people being like, look, and look, we're lordly people doing something awful. So uh, we're on your side. Keep on trucking. Yeah. Keep on trucking. Being, <laughs> being there for those nieces and nephews is nice of you. Yeah, you're on their side for sure. But careful, because Apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Make sure she's not scamming you. <gasps> that would be just, such a good scam if she was like, careful. hey, yeah. go in with me on this lawsuit. And then I really just need she steals your, your social security <laughs> number and your, your thumbprint and your DNA <laughs> and a little bit of urine. Hello, Eliza, baby, I'm fur babies in Sweet Sierra. I've got a work issue I have no idea how to deal with. For context, I'm a 28-year-old female with no kids. I work as an accountant for a large health system in the South. My main supervisor, we will call her Susan, recently got back from maternity leave. In her absence, I took on a lot of work and I worked directly with her boss. We will call her Karen. Karen and I worked very well together while she was out and I was able to keep the entire team running smoothly. Susan and Karen have had a history of poor communication and tension. So when Susan returned, Karen started calling me when Susan didn't answer. Generally, I could answer the questions Karen had, but Susan started telling me not to tell Karen anything and let her answer whatever questions Karen had. Karen is getting noticeably frustrated with Susan. I have no idea what should be communicated and what shouldn't. The other issue is since we work from home, Susan decided not to put her baby in daycare or hire help during the work hours for her baby. So she will often be late for meetings, put extra work on me if the baby is having a bad day, or get off calls early to take care of the baby when something major is happening. I totally understand not wanting to put the baby in daycare, but I feel like she's not doing her work and she's taking advantage of me. I don't want to accuse Susan of not pulling her weight, especially if she just had a baby seven months ago, but I'm an anxious mess all the time because of this. Please help Sorry for the long message. Love you all, Morgan. 
you need to, it's tough. And of course it's the South. So I'm sure there's like no way to actually like do your job and properly care for your child. And I'm sure people are unforgiving about it. Uh, Morgan, you need to have a come to Jesus with both women because what's not being aired out is the fact that you, these two aren't communicating. So it's kind of like you have divorced parents and you're kind of playing both sides and you're having to like put on this brave face and you're trying to do, it's not even so much her job as much as you're filling in these gaps and these two women have an issue. I think however you need to do it, if you sit down and be like, here are the jobs I want to do. I filled in for Susan. I love doing it. Um, maybe even say it to your boss, but if I'm going to be taking on more responsibility, because I don't even think you're talking about making more money, but you need to be moved up in a role. It's not about, it's not about taking a woman's job, but it's like, I've been asked to do more than is required and it's thankless. Plus I'm filling in the gaps between the two of you. It's not fair that because of their relationship, you're having to do more work and you shouldn't be this anxious. Well, I don't know who you go to first or if you do it with both an HR there. Right, because the tough piece here is that Karen is like, hey, I would rather go to you, question asker Morgan, because you have the answers. And Susan is like, no, you have to come to me, but Susan's off with her baby. She's leaving calls early. So she wants the credit of having the answer when the big boss asks, but she's not actually there to do it. You need to keep a list of these things because- by the way, she she will say like, I was late once, you know, as a working mom. She's like, I was late once and then I asked to reschedule it. I couldn't do this, but I did send things ahead of time. You don't want to get into that tit for tat. So keep a list of those things. I don't know who you go to first, but what is clear is that you are being asked to take on more work and cover a coworker and you're not being compensated for it. So fuck being a team player. They either need to promote you or those two need to have an open line of communication. But mm-hmm. I believe that we don't support working moms enough. However, you don't have a kid, so it is not your job to do this woman's work as well. And that's not about not supporting moms. That's like punishing you because she has a kid, so therefore her schedule takes precedent. It doesn't. Right. It sounds like our our question answer would have given the mom some grace and has given the mom some grace, but it gets to a point where you are being taken advantage of. Yep, that's exactly right. every call. That's exactly right. So keep that list. That way you can be like, incorrect. You did not do this. You did this. You didn't call ahead on this. And you can even use that list when you go to your boss to say, here are the ways in which I've had to step in and it's too much for me because that's not my role. Mm-hmm. It's tough because it's going to look like you're selling the lady with the baby down the river, but you have to do what's right for you. Right. Hey, Liza. Follow up on checking dogs slash animals in at the front desk. I used to fly with my (gasps) rabbit when I was still single. I asked why they needed to see the rabbit out of his carrier because this is obviously a rabbit. Even though security people couldn't figure out if he was a cat or a dog, I digress. I asked why. And the reason they have to check to make sure your animal is actually what you wrote it was is because someone checked in with a dog and it wasn't discovered until later on the plane that it was a damn prairie dog. So you have that asshole and others before them, I'm sure, that are causing much length to your travels. So now you have someone to displace your frustration towards. Love you always. I've seen you in Charlotte like three or four times. Always see you at the meet and greet. So proud of you going from the comedy zone to the night theater. Love you. Mean it, cat. Ah, yes. The carnivorous, dangerous prairie dog. I wonder if prairie dogs have weird diseases. It is such an American thing that because one asshole did something, it's corporate policy forever. Like, think about it. Somebody had a shoe bomb and now here we are 20 years later and we still have to take off our shoes at TSA. Somebody did something fucked up with their water and now you can't bring water. And no one has ever revisited this and realized lightning's not gonna strike twice. And instead, somebody at big bottled Arctic water is making a lot of money. It's just our bureaucracy moves so slow. It's like, well, someone is saying one, so it's a law forever. That's so dumb. And I don't know if I agree with that because I don't know if the woman at check-in even looked at the dog and nobody at the gate looks at the dog. So I still, I've spent too many years flying with inconsistencies, even within the same airline for me to respect their process. Mm. Anyway. You can check in at the kiosk. Oops, no, you can't. I don't know who told you that. That's the chant for every airline. I don't know who told you that, but we don't actually fly passengers. This is a catering (laughs) truck. (laughs) 
Okay, we have a follow-up. Do you remember we had a girl write in whose boyfriend was not letting her come to the D&D yes. games? Yes, ex-girlfriend. Oh, so my God. So it's not from her. Nope, it's not oh. from her. I'm so sorry. Someone else, though, has an interesting tidbit. They say, so my 12-year-old avid D&D player had his own take on the dork's duplex question. Ooh. Apparently, D&D players are encouraged to leave significant others out of the game because it can be very awkward or create chaos when the couple breaks up, but they still have to play together because mm. their character hasn't died in the campaign. Campaign right. equals what they call each individual game. Yeah. And I, that, I mean, that makes a certain amount of sense because it's like if your no. friends don't suffer fallout in the same way. But no, 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 no. Nobody, this girl's not asking to play. And this girl she doesn't She wants care. to be, wow. Well, she wants to hang out there. She's not asking to play. And I'm sorry, this guy is not worried about when she plays a warlock and that warlock doesn't die, but they break up. He, and I, and I talked to Noah about this, there's a girl there that he wants to talk to and he wants to have his cake and eat it too with his friends and he's keeping the girlfriend away. I promise you that's it. So you run and yeah. tell your 12-year-old to stay out of my business. No. Uh, that is that's very sweet, if even though. A tw- if even the 12-year-old knows it, it means it's a pretty widespread, like, hey, don't let your girlfriend nope. come to our game. Yeah, but why wouldn't he just say to her, look, here's what it is. There's something going well, on here. No. I'm not saying this is why he's doing it, but. Okay, well, that's what the question's about. <laughs> why don't you and that 12-year-old just link up, exchange emails. You guys can hang out. <laughs> I have been listening since the beginning and look forward to Wednesdays every week. The beginning. Love all your specials and your advice in your book. There are two books, FYI, listener. I finally have a question after all this time. I am 45, female, attractive, single, no kids, successful in my field. It's been a long time since I've met someone I really click with and I really want to create a healthy relationship. I recently met a guy and was so excited about him. We've been out three times and slept together. It's been awesome and fun. He's been so considerate and responsive. Then I went on his Instagram and checked out who he follows. It's a lot of bikini models and wannabe bikini models, not classy ones either. Also, we follow zero of the same accounts. The models don't make me jealous. It's more cringy and creepy to me, kind of lowbrow, icky, and douchey. What do you think? Should I try to work with this or run for the hills? I hope I get to hear your response to this. It would mean so much. You know, it's that tough thing as we get older where you start to lower your standards a little bit, like something that would have been a massive red flag. You're like, I don't know, maybe. The only thing I'll say on behalf of this guy is that he is a single guy. Um, I know people will laugh at me for this, but like when I met Noah, like I know he didn't follow accounts like that. Like it is this sort of accepted thing that like guys just watch porn and look at girl stuff. Most guys don't. Some guys do, some guys don't. Um, He could just have been single for a while and he likes to look at hot girls and it's free. And I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with that. I think if you like this guy and you're not deliberately overlooking other things, just because of the fact that you're 45, I would take, first I would take a look and be like, are there other things that maybe I'm just kind of letting go that I'm not okay with? Um, And because it's, you've only been out three times, but you say you've like been doing a lot of stuff and you had sex and you're having fun and he's so great. You've only been out three times. You don't really know each other. It's early for you to be like, I don't like what you follow. You went looking for trouble. You went and looked at who he followed. What were you hoping to find? That he followed She was hoping to find that he followed Dalai Lama. Yeah, and like National Geographic and like an, a whale conservatory. So um, it's tough. It's a little early because he'll be like, wow, you... Hopefully, if you say something, he's not like, wow, you're controlling. He's like, yeah, you're right. I should unfollow that. It also could be... I would check the last post he posted. Like, it could be from eight months ago. He could mm-hmm. he could be one of these guys that like never uses Instagram. See, I just like to see when it was founded. It was founded in 2000 to Instagram. So it's been 13 years. He could have followed those accounts... 13 years ago. I don't, I don't think who he follows. I don't feel like accounts like that existed 13 years ago. And I know like the types of accounts. I'm just saying, you don't know. He could have said, yeah, I went through a breakup. Yeah, my ex-girlfriend was a bikini model. So she had friends. You don't know. And you don't want to come off as crazy. However, a guy that really likes you would understand it and be like, yeah, I'll unfollow them. I would give it a beat and see if it really bothers you. And I would keep an eye out for other red flags that indicate 
that are indicative of maybe the kind of person you don't like. And then in a couple of dates, maybe say something. If he if he's the guy for you, he'll he'll hear you. Or he'll say like, yeah, I didn't think it was a big deal. Like you, what you're missing is his perspective. Right. Yeah. It's not an automatic no, but you can ask questions. But it's also not totally normal. Like- It's not great. It's not great. I'm just saying like, it's just the thing like, oh, guys, they love porn. Like, I don't think I have any- friends that follow, male friends that like follow. I, I just, I think it's this like accepted thing that guys do, but good guys don't do that. That's all. I probably follow some that are just like friends in LA that were dancers and also this and also that and yeah. have 17 Instagram accounts, you know? Like I follow 18 different yoga studios or whatever. Yeah. All right. We, we have a follow-up from the most unlikely of places. Not from the actual place, so don't get excited, but it is interesting. Your tribute to D-Listed was such nice closure. Aww. I often listen to you in our brewery and stop dead in my tracks when you mention the site closing. I don't know anyone else who read it and therefore don't have anyone to talk to about how much it will be missed. I don't Funny either. Some- None of my friends read it, <laughs> read it. Funny that something I only checked once a week could feel so important. Please keep Phoebe Price on the Z-List by mentioning her randomly on the pod. <laughs> I'm sure Michael listens to you as well and after all the laughs he's given us. Anyway, if you're ever in Switzerland and want free kombucha, give us a shout. Gina, this is the Swiss Kombucha Company DM'd us about your D-listed tribute. <laughs> and they listen to you. Gina listens to you in the in the kombucha brewery. <laughs> in Switzerland. Well, I don't have any plans to go to Switzerland this time, Gina, but that sounds absolutely adorable. Like we just work in a expensive, safe, rich country. We make kombucha for everyone. Uh, thank you. Sorry about that accent. And uh, thanks for that. That's cool. I think he'd be happy to know. You can always write to him. His email's on the website and tell him how much you love that website. That's awesome. <laughs> See, we are all connected. <laughs> I just thought that was so funny that they're the Phoebe Price brought you together. I still like kind of don't know who she is, but Michael K never liked her, so I would just read about this person. That's how you get celebrity gossip. Just drippings of something that was once somewhat relevant. Hi, Lies in the pod crew. You can call me Jackie. I have a parental question for you. So my wife is American and I'm Canadian. We are getting documents together so that I can sponsor her as a permanent resident. One of those documents includes letters of support from friends and family. I've asked a handful of close friends and they have said that they would be more than happy to write letters and have written very heartwarming things. My parents, on the other hand, asked me to write a letter for them to just sign it. Figure it's just them being lazy, but I can't help but feel less supported in that way. Am I wrong to feel that way? Dad's a boomer. Mom's an elder Gen X. They have a history of not being present. They worked a lot, so I was raised mainly by my grandmother. They love my wife and support us, but it feels like we're getting brushed off. We love your work and I'm blessing you in Niagara Falls in 2022. I mean, you're not asking them to write a wedding speech. This is a formal letter to the government. Um, And I actually don't think that that's wrong. This is the chance to write all the things that you think will matter. And they are saying, we trust you, whatever you're going to write, but this is administrative work that we don't really want to do. So you do it. The support is, I know that you want it to be this hard. You're wanting it to be this outpouring of love and confirmation and affirmation of your relationship. Um, But perhaps this isn't the time or the place. And it is a lot to ask them to write a letter. And some people aren't great at writing letters. So the fact that they are willing to sign that, I mean, it's not a huge ask, but the fact that they suggested that, I've done that. Somebody wants a letter. I'm like, you write it. I don't want to take care of your administrative work. I don't want to write your letter of endorsement. I don't want to, I don't want to do that. I was asked to do that for, are you, I'm sorry, you're moving to Canada or you're moving to the US? I missed the beginning. It sounds like the, the question asker is getting letters for the other person to move to Canada. Canada, yeah. I had to do that for a comic, like to be like, hey, he's a good comic. Turns out he was a, a shitty person and I, I really wish I could retract my letter. Uh, but I said that to him. I was like, you write it, I will sign it because we'd worked together before. It actually doesn't matter what they write because the government just wants to see that other humans actually care. Yeah. Because what would really suck is if they just wrote like, they are a good couple, they would be good together. And you're like, that's what you wrote. So you kind of back them into a tough corner. Take the, take the W and just move on. Yeah. All right. Hey, Liza and crew. 
The only people I could think to turn to about a topic like this, my boyfriend, 29, and myself, 26, live with a roommate, 30, male, one of my boyfriend's longtime friends. It has had its ups and downs, generally not awful. We have a lot of fun, and things were fun when our roommate first started dating his girlfriend, 23. She's super sweet, but has basically moved into our tiny apartment. I try to be kind and cool girl about it because I do enjoy hanging out with her. I love them together, and she is so sweet and always helpful with loving on our 11-year-old pup. The issue is they are so messy. I feel like a full-blown mom sometimes because things will sit around so long I have no choice but to clean it. The fridge is like a science experiment. She not only does her laundry, showers, uses all our furniture because we furnish the apartment and our TV subscriptions with no regard for the small costs that add up. At this phase in life, my boyfriend and I are hyper-mindful of those small costs. Our roommate quasi-listens when we try to explain to him that if she's going to be there 24-7, she should chip in with some bills or cleaning supplies, just something to offset the additional costs we are absorbing by proxy of her being there. LA is a weird city, but seeing you at Hollywood Improv has been the highlight of my time here so far. Thanks for being you unapologetically. Love you guys. Uh, It's so funny that like to a 23-year-old girl, she's like, oh, he's 30 and he has his own room. Like, it's such a weird look. By the way, thanks for coming out of the improv. Um, You need to sit down and be like, we cannot live this way. Susan, if you're going to be here 24 hours a day, I think you need to start paying rent. Or you need need to contribute to the utilities. We want to bring this to you guys because we actually do like having you here. But this is a lot. It's basically like having a child because we pay for everything. Um, and so it's four people in this space. To be honest, this is, you have to just say these things. You have mm-hmm. to just say, and don't just say it to him, say it with her there because it's easy for then half gets communicated. She's doing what everybody thinks when they're a guest in someone's house that like the little bit they do is enough. Either she's a roommate or she's not. And it's not that you want to like limit how much she comes and goes, but if she really is there and she's basically moved in, then we need to get her signed up so we can split the rent. When we signed up to live with you, it was the three of us. So we need to come up with a way to offset this. Maybe she contributes X amount for cleaning or for food, but we cannot live in this space. So I know uh, apartments in LA are crazy, but this is not what you signed up for and you have rights. Yeah. She's taking up a quarter of the space, a quarter of the lights, a quarter of the water. It's just, yeah. In front of her, to her boyfriend, be like, or you can pay for that. We worked it out a fair share of this, you know, you use our passwords, you, so you're not, which means you're not paying for these things otherwise. So either, you know, kick in a hundred extra bucks a month or we're going to have to kick you out. Or, well, yeah, or look for somewhere else. But it, I mean, I get that it's tough. It's tough out there. What were you signed up for? Hey, Liza and Emily, I need some major life-changing advice. I'm a 24-year-old woman in Tennessee. I married my husband at 18 and I hugely regret it. I know Eliza has commented on how getting married young and having kids quickly is Southern culture and she's not wrong. I had no idea who I was except for, quote, the smart one. And I had no clue what I wanted as a career or lifestyle and got swept up in trying to get away from my parents and their mistakes. After six years of married life and being out of high school, my life has amounted to nothing. I got married and been working in a restaurant living in a trailer on my parents' property with no stove, water, or heating or air conditioning. It's filled with garbage, mold, and rats. We live like this because after years of being the only one who cleans and cooks, I stopped doing all the domestic labor, thinking the filth would motivate my husband. Of course it didn't. He still doesn't know how to cook or clean anything. We have no savings, barely have enough to pay essential bills, and my husband has three loans and a credit card out in his name. I've decided I've had enough of my life being this way. My problem is I don't think my future should have him in it. I feel bad because I feel like most of his problems, calling out of work, never remembers to do important things, messy and disorganized, no impulse control, are from having ADHD, but he doesn't do anything to get better and it has severely negatively impacted my life. I'm still dependent on my husband because I don't have a car, but I started taking online college classes and just started a new job that pays $13 an hour, $1.50 more than I've been making. Any advice on next steps on becoming independent so I can move on with my life? Do I kick him out? secretly save money to leave him, give him an ultimatum and hope he changes. Any ideas of validation that this is the right thing to do would be appreciated. Thank you. And you have a little baby? I had thought that, but no. It just just fits. Okay, you know what? You don't have a little baby. There is nothing tying you to this man. 
I don't think you have a little baby. I think that we think that because she said that you were right that getting married young and having kids quickly is Southern culture. Now, I don't think she actually said she has a baby, but I feel like the baby would have been mentioned. Okay, listen. When you got married, it's, I don't know the rules in your state about taking on your partner's debt. I would look into that. I Bravo to you for starting to take online classes. Keep putting one foot in front of the other. Do not stop doing that. Get those classes, get whatever degree those add up to so you can get an office job, so you can get that manager job. This will be a long road, but you are on the path. And the first step you've already completed, which is realizing that you don't have to live like this, okay? Your first step was wanting to get away from your parents and their mistakes. Is there any way to go? Th- and I don't know what your parents are like. And it's, I guess it's good that they let you live in this like trash trailer because it's somewhere to live. Can you ask them for a loan to get a car? Can you ask them f- to use their car? You've made your world very small. I'm so fucking over the ADD and the ADHD diagnosis, okay? Everybody was diagnosed with that except for Emily. At some point, you can grow out of it, you can get a grip on it, and you can become an adult. People use it as an excuse. Most things are fucking boring. You think I want to pay attention to math? No, but you can do other things. So he's a man child, and at 24, he's still a baby, and you are the smart one. So- I hope you don't share his debt. Maybe there's a way you can get out of it, but there's nothing tying you to this person who's weighing you down. You have ambition. You have drive. You're not even attracted to this person. If he wants to go and get it, and you don't even have to get a divorce right now, but I would look into it in terms of what debt uh, you owe because of him. If he wants to go and turn it around, great. You're like, I will be at the Motel 6. I will be in my parents' house. You cannot be here. This is not even your problem. Like, we're done. I don't believe in ultimatums because he knows what's wrong and you don't, you put up with it and you stop doing all those things and he was like, oh, well, this guy doesn't respect you. He's too dumb to know what's going on. If he wants to change, let him change and come back in six months and be like, here's what I have done for us and our family. You keep at those online classes. You keep looking around for jobs wanted, posted jobs. Secretly save money. Do open up that account in your name or stick it in a coffee can in a field. Do not let him have that money and you set up the life that you want. Make a vision board. Think about your goals. Ask anyone for help. Move in with someone else. Get out of there. You're done. You gave him chances and and he still put all that on you. You stopped cooking and cleaning and he was like, oh, well, that's fucking disgusting. Now there's rats and mold. Good for you. Don't get out of there and don't look back. Yeah, this is, this is the right decision. I mean, it's tough because you, you went with him to get away from your parents. And now if your parents can help you, that would be great. But be great. once you're a little more self-sustained, you can d- ditch everybody. And getting a divorce is expensive. Is there any way to look it up online? Like, okay, if I separate, am I, because what you don't want is to stay married because it's cheaper. And then he racks up debt that you're somehow responsible for. So I would look yeah. into that in your state. Do you know anyone who's a lawyer? Anyone that could give you that advice? Is there a family services? Is there like a women's shelter? Like I guarantee you there are resources out there where you can find this information. But start building that life that you want and please keep taking those classes. Good for you. So many women missed that step. Good for you. Now we've run a nice crispy top of the cob. (laughs) It's the top of the cob. We're doing it right every day. You just take a bite, top of the cob. I'll start with my bottom of the cob because it's very personal and fucking disgusting. And I'm sad. Oh. Oh. Sometimes when I travel, I have trouble going to the bathroom. Sometimes. Hmm. And it's been quite some time. So I returned to an old friend, an old foe named Kashi Golene. They took the word, <gasps> listen to me. They took the lean out. They took yeah. the lean out, kids. There's no more lean. They took the lean out. It just says go, which I assumed meant like to go to the bathroom. And I've eaten several bowls over several days. And nothing. I That's- one Your day, fiber intake is too good now. I don't know. I just, it was this thing I was so afraid of for so long and I went crawling back. Better the devil you know. <laughs> and 
the war. No sweet relief. <laughs> Remember when that person reached out and they said their baby was constipated, so they gave them like a spoonful and the baby blew its butthole out? How she go? Like, I don't know what's going on. Maybe it's just stress from like all of these work things, but usually if I drink pomegranate juice, that helps. So I'm going to try that later, but... You may have to get actual like medications. I may have to get some Drano and like a rotor rooter <laughs> really get in there. All right. What's your bottom of the cup? My bottom is I was looking at my cats as I do. There are two of them and they were sitting together and I was suddenly struck by this like this devastation of, oh my God, was Gracie gonna so die. unhappy oh. and lonely? No, Aww. I was like, she was by herself. I used to go to work. She'd be at home in a studio apartment for eight hours or whatever. And I'm looking at these two kittens who have a whole home yeah. and each other. And I am work from home. And I was just like, oh my God, did I do wrong by Gracie? In this spiral of like, why didn't I give her a better life? No. And I just was like, and they're, what do you do? It's like... Intellectually, again, like, I know, obviously, I give her the life I could give her. But, and I think she liked being an only cat. But I just like, why am I, why am I upset? I'm, like, crying. Look at my cats hugging each other. I'm like, they love each other so much. And Gracie was all alone. That's because you got nothing better to do. And uh, never forget, cats live in alleys eating watermelon rinds. So she's fine. And what? they're, lo- they're solid. <laughs> they're... They're solitary creatures by nature. So even if you gave her siblings and a cat condo, she'd still be like, here's my butthole. I'm headed to the door. Don't beat yourself up about it. You gave her the best life. She loved you very much. She did. Very much. been Stockholm Syndrome, but that's okay. These cats don't love me as much because they have each other. And that's quite quite the diagnosis. Munchausen's by proxy and Stockholm Syndrome. (laughs) All right. Fan bottom. Okay. Fan bottom from Sarah. That feeling when you're tired, but you still have to do your whole routine. Wash face, brush teeth. So you just procrastinate and keep scrolling and avoiding it when you should just do it and go to bed. And then you learn nothing and do it all over again and again. Love the pod and Eliza on any other platform. I know exactly what she's talking about too, where you're just like tired and you're like, I'll just do it in 10 minutes. And then an hour goes by and you're like, well, at least I know how to make the ultimate quesadilla by someone with fake nails. My top of the cob is a middle part low bun. This is a hairstyle that I did. I've always thought looked very sophisticated, very chic. And I used to do it a lot because I could always do my own. But as my hair changes from having a baby um, and as I, you know, don't have time to shower or I'm running around, I'm thankful that I have the face, the right face for this hairstyle because it's been my go-to. And it makes me feel very... um, Makes me feel a little regal, feel austere, kind of buttoned up and proper. And it always looks polished. So I'm glad that, because I don't always have time to like flat iron my hair and dry it and style it. It always looks mediocre anyway. Middle, bun, that's the go-to and I'm glad it looks good. There you go. One is dirty, one is clean. (laughs) My top of the cob is I love ordering a food item from a restaurant when they they add the word California to it and that just means it has either avocado or guacamole. That's true. That's so funny. And like Swiss, like I got like a California club and so they're like, they're like, oh, it's Swiss cheese and arugula. That's it. But also there's bacon and there's this and there's that. But they're like, but look at that green stuff just like they do out in California. See, I, I do it that. the other way. Outside of California, I never get avocado. Like, did you want to <laughs> add avocado for a down payment on a house? I'm like, I come from avocado <laughs> land. We are good. I don't need that. I don't eat Mexican food outside of Texas or California. I'm sure there are Mexican people. I just, in general, like you go to Canada, they're like a Mexican restaurant. I'm like, I don't want to know what kind of craft cheddar you melted on this, but I am good. I'm good. There's also, even if it's great, I already come from the place where it's great. Like I don't tend to eat sushi in New York. Eat the thing in your place and don't go looking for it elsewhere if you got it at home. What's your fan top? Fan top. I had to go to a federal building for my global entry interview and there was no parking around the media area. I passed this woman who's walking on the sidewalk twice and on the second time she flagged me down and asked if I was looking for parking for the federal building. I said yes. She told me she found the lot for the building and gave me directions. There's a small lot around the corner and the sign for it was tiny and I was so relieved that she went out of her way to check on me when she could have just minded her own business yeah. or not even noticed me at all. I made my appointment because of her. And I don't want to be trite, but truly my faith in humanity is restored by her kindness. I love that. 
When you give nice. people a chance to like help, people always want to help. I think the world is such a scary and dark place, but when we actually talk to each other, you're like, oh, that's a human too. Yeah. I've learned that on this this trip this last week. People really do want to help. Nice people. And like, I had somebody call. Who called me the other day? Oh, yeah. It was like a guy with a package. He called my number and he was looking for someone that used to live at our house. And I was annoyed because this guy gets so much stuff to our house, but I was like, he doesn't live here anymore, but I'll give you his number and I will text him and give him a heads up that you're going to call. And he was like, wow, thank you so much. Littlest, littlest thing. Cost you yeah. nothing. I always end it with folks, but we got tickets at eliza.com slash tour. We got VIP packages. This is my biggest and best tour. It's the Hard Feelings Tour. Uh, and I cannot wait to see you out there. If you're wondering if I'm coming to your city, the answer is yes. Go to eliza.com slash tour for tickets. And remember, every time a dog barks, an angel brings it milk. 